this is Jeff Combs. You're listening to Nightmare Junket. Get a job at a sideshow. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates a man in Coke-bottled glasses. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we are paying our respects to an icon Mm -hmm. as we talk and honor the work of one George A. Romero. But before we get into that, gang, let me remind you we are part of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your dead hole. Indeed it is. Before we go into our tribute to one George A. Romero, mm-hmm. if you are in the Kansas City area, I wanted to remind you... Yes. There's a lot of good stuff coming up thanks to the Kansas City Horror Club. Yes. uh, I'm not only a member, but I'm also the president. (laughs) Uh, uh, This Friday, if you're listening to this, probably today, and if you're listening to it later, then you you missed it. But at Tabcade at 1030 at night, we have our showing High Tension. Um, A cool little pre-show before, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. As part of the Cult Friday series at Mm -hmm. Tapcade now, which is a lot of fun. Where Horror Club takes over. Every third third Friday. Love it. The Event Horizon screening last month was phenomenal. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, we got a couple of other good stuff. So make sure you check out on the page on the Horror Club for what we're showing that month, coming up month. And also, speaking of coming up months, on September 30th, we are having our horror at the drive-in. At the I-70 drive-in, we're showing Monster Squad and the original Halloween back-to-back. It's going to be $10 a car. There's going to be a swap and shop for it. Now, we are done with the raffle pre-sale, but you can still buy your tickets. $10 a car load. You get in. You get to see some cool vendors. You see two cool movies. It's going to be great. And they great. can buy up till the day of the showing, correct? Yes. You can do, You can pre-sale now uh, up until about then, and then also you can buy at the door. And I would recommend to go ahead and pick them up because this is something that could likely sell out. I have a feeling it's it's on the track of selling okay. out. Okay. So. so don't... Yeah, this is... I'm, I'm really looking forward to this just in terms of... Of the various ways of seeing flicks, mm-hmm. uh, it's one thing to see it in a theater, but man, it's another <laughs> to see it in the drive-in. The drive-in is so much fun, and I can't wait. So. And including the 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 swap and shop beforehand, yeah, there's it, gonna be, it should be a good fucking time. I'm yeah. looking forward to that, and it's it gets your best primer you need for the month of October mm-hmm. and all the horror shenanigans that are going to be going on. Well, speaking of horror shenanigans, yes, uh, as we are recording this, uh, Crypticon Kansas City came and went this weekend in St. Joe for the first time. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, due to anxiety-related reasons, I wasn't there a lot this weekend. You were there in spirit. I was. So again, much like I always joke, you were the avatar for the (laughs) podcast. Uh, What happened at Crypticon this weekend? Uh, All sorts of shenanigans. A lot of stuff I can't talk about for legal (laughs) reasons, but uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, It was way uh, more spaced out. Um, that had a nice flow. Uh, it was a lot cooler, which is when you're in the middle of like July heat. Yeah, it's good to be cool. Um, the, all the guests were great. All the vendors were awesome. It was a blast. And you heard uh, the beginning bumper was uh, one Jeffrey Combs, mm-hmm. I believe. So mm-hmm. even again out and about his, and seeking them out. His body is a roadmap to pain. 
<laughs> Indeed, so. God, such an unra- <laughs> underrated flick there. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm sorry I missed it. But at the same time, I'm glad everyone had a good time. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, you're is. there too in spirit, man, and you're there a couple of times too. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I had to make sure at least do a, uh, a drive by, if you will, a walk around. Right. Uh, went to buy a Paul Bearer Press. Saw so many good records, but I was like. You know, there's the needs and the wants, and mm-hmm. I showed true discipline this time. And I was even like the devil on your shoulder, too, on this one. I was like, come on, dude. You can do it. Come on, man. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Rock hard. It's like, you know, hard rock zombies on vinyl, and you're going to see that again. It's I was like, like, check it out. Look, dude. Yeah. But I showed, yeah, I was very proud of myself, actually. I was proud of you, too. So. In fact, actually, that's probably the best thing about not going to the convention. You <laughs> don't spend the money. Yep. I was good, too. I mean, I, I, I got what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I got a couple of things that I really like liked and i was other than that, i'm like i'm gonna be stepping back so step away yeah leave the gas and walk away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, i'm glad by all accounts everyone had a good time yeah. it was very successful so yeah. you know looking forward to it next year it's gonna be back at st joe in st joe there you go mm-hmm. guys so um you know sorry we didn't have any live reports or anything like that but again you know if you went out there i'm sure you saw genius and yeah again we're up to the various shenanigans so i'm glad a good time was had well it's crazy just in terms of that happened yeah the okay. sunday yeah every like half the people knew about it and half the people didn't and then word just kind of spread like wildfire you know and then it just got real somber for a minute and, and it, it was, happened at the end basically because i think it went the till four or five o'clock yeah and that's right around the time that we had we heard of the passing of yeah. george romero yeah, it and was, it was kind of a gut punch for a lot of people because not only was Bub there, but so was Big Daddy, mm-hmm. and they even had a panel on like doing doing zombie movies the Romero way, and so that was even more of a like one two gut punch on that because, you know, whether you love zombies or curse zombies, you cannot deny the grasp and epicness of what this man did not only for the horror genre but for the film genre. And that's, I think, the most important thing to talk about is obviously he was an icon and Mm -hmm. is most known for his horror work. But something that I think is very underrated and, as you just said, is his contributions to film in general, especially indie filmmaking. Most definitely. Because if you think about when he originally launched Night of the Living Dead as an indie film back in 1968, it's totally the do-it-yourself ethos. Yeah. It's work with what you have around you. It's staying local because that's one thing with Romero. When I think Romero, I think of Pittsburgh. Exactly. Yeah. And he kept true to those roots. Mm-hmm. And just in terms of low budget filmmaking, yeah. working with what you have, um, you know, mother being uh, necessity, necessity being the mother, mother of invention. Yeah. All the things that he was able to do as an indie filmmaker mm-hmm. and launching that. And, you know, there's the indie boom of the 90s. But, man, there's he's the godfather of zombies right is he also the godfather of indie filmmaking he literally changed the world with night of the living dead i mean he really did he brought to show he's one of the main reasons why i call people out on bullshit when they say like horror is just gore or horror is a slasher that's nowhere near the truth you can say so much in such a little horror movie well, and it, he showed the world that you can. Yeah, and well, it never occurs to people that horror is simply is simply nothing but shock and gore. In fact, well, have you read recently? There's this whole new. They're calling it a new move. What, oh, what is it? I know no, it's a horrible. It's not modern horror, but it's like post horror, post horror or something. Nah, whatever. Horror's horror. And it's always been tr- in terms of the good horror, the horror <laughs> that elevates it right. to art is the one that always has the social commentary behind it, yeah. and that's been going on since even before Night of the Living Dead. And and I'm, yeah, exactly. But especially with Night of the Living Dead, I know there's college classes that film classes that show this 
movie and they dissect it and they talk about it. There I are mean, distur- dissertations that are being written based on Romero's work right. and his contributions. Yeah, you cannot deny the fact that this man did so much. It's kind of unreal just in terms of, well, the fact that he, he was 77 when he passed. Mm-hmm. And that 77 technically is still pretty young. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Uh, for the most, especially in today's day and age when we're just living so much longer. Right. But we are at that point now where a lot of the icons, the the forerunners in the horror genre mm-hmm. are at that precipice right now yeah. where... We're going to hear this is going to happen more and more. You know, it started with Craven. Yeah. You know, a few years ago. And he was young. Yeah. He was really young comparatively, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, with Craven being gone and then uh, uh, Romero, uh, it's like you said, it's a slippery slope. It really is. So it's it's one of those things, too, where ultimately when I think when we do a lot of these retrospectives, sometimes they're reactionary in terms of someone's passing. But other times mm-hmm. they are more proactive for the most part in terms right. of letting people know who you love when they're still around. Exactly. And even after they're gone, I think also looking back at their legacy. So well, we just hosted a screening uh, for Film Club at Alamo uh, of American Valhalla, uh-huh. which uh, documents uh, Iggy Pop and Josh Homme's their uh, their collaborative uh, creative uh, collaboration on their post pop depression tour. And legacy and time was a huge theme in that film. Yeah, and that's one of those things. Just in terms of what do you leave behind? What carries your name and your legacy? And mm-hmm. for Romero, if you're going to put up like a Mount Rushmore of horror directors horror the people that have shaped the face of horror he's up there oh most definitely with those big old glasses right which you want to talk about a look like <laughs> he hasn't changed much he, no not he at got, all he, 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 once you stop leveling you, you know <laughs> once you hit max level you're good well like you know like you said if you you think of romero you think of zombies you think of pittsburgh you think of the glasses right it's part of what who he was his image mm-hmm. and that's huge just in terms of who he was and what he meant to so many people there were so many really touching tributes that went out there from filmmakers from fans uh here in the kansas city area screenland armor was great they Mm -hmm. held a candlelight vigil yeah that was i I wish we could have been there we were we were like earlier said at the american Mm -hmm. valhalla screen so we couldn't be there but once again we were there in spirit we were truly uh they and then they showed a a screening (coughs) of night of the living dead we're actually going to be hosting a screening of night of the living dead on the 25th Mm -hmm. at the alamo so it'll be our chance really to pay tribute as well um no but it's just it's really sad just because again it's it's uh, all too often we never get to actually explore a filmmaker's work until they pass yeah and then people start really examining and that's one like silver lining of the passing of an icon is people who are only familiar with one or two things can then go back and see, I guess, what all the hubbub is about, you know? And the good thing about that is any anybody who is even a fan of The Walking Dead deserves, has to pay tribute to Romero. And like you said, he's the king of the zombies. He grandfathered and ushered in the, the actual zombies. Before then, zombies were like the voodoo zombies. And it wasn't until this little movie that we got the shambling. And technically, you know, if you want to get, you know, they were considered ghouls in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You know, apparently, you know, they really didn't call them zombies. Right. They didn't really the dead are returning to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just so much. And so much has been said about the, the dead trilogy that right. you know, we're not going to bring anything new no. to that. Um, it's one of the, again, just in terms. Now, let me ask you this. In terms of the order of seeing the films, because I know mm-hmm. I went all over the place in yeah. terms of seeing. Because I originally, my first exposure was Night of the Living Dead, the remake. Really? Before I saw any of the original trilogy. Really? Really. Hmm. My first exposure was on TV. 
Uh, Night of the Living Dead. Night of the, the Living Dead. So one. you saw the original first? Yeah, I saw the original first. And then I was like, Was it like Ooh. a daytime showing or nighttime? It was a nighttime show. Okay. It was okay. one of those like on TV, like coming up tonight, Night of the Living Dead. And I'm like, Ooh, 10.30. So, and so I checked it out and I was like, oh, This movie is awesome. And so by then, later on, I would backtrack and then I met, found a little movie called Creep Show that changed my life forever. So, and that's yeah. the thing in terms of what Romero is primarily remembered for will be his contribution his, to zombies. Yeah, the the, the dead trilogy, and it, it, it's very much deserved. Oh, most definitely. I, but let we're, we us here at Nightmare Junkhead, we like to go a little bit deeper. Um, if you remember during our bracket, uh, we had one of his movies on there, Martin. Which let's talk about that movie for a little bit. If you want to hear more about it, you can come listen to that episode. But yeah, I think Martin deserves to be seen. But oh, absolutely! I mean, it won our 1977 bracket, <laughs> right? For like, a it's reason. Very yeah. strong, con- <laughs> you know, uh, against Suspiria. Yeah. And, uh, and I definitely recommend listening to that episode because we actually had a chance to talk with the uh, the Classic Horrors Club podcast, mm-hmm. ex- uh, available through Phantom Podcast, as well as Liam O'Donnell from the Horror Business and Cinepunks. And it yeah. was really interesting. Number one, to hear people's reaction to it, because if you recall. Jeff was a huge proponent of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been, and they actually, he just put out a really good article uh, through Boom Howdy or Downright Creepy, and he actually name dropped us, which was nice. Uh, but no, he's still pushing for it, which is great. And even Liam having a chance to really revisit it was a yeah. nice revisit for him. Yeah. That, that, that movie is just brutal. Well, and it's, again, it's him exploring the vampire genre. Mm-hmm. It's exploring a genre that exists, and he's going outside of his comfort zone in his wheelhouse. And he knocks it out of the park. And also, what the good thing about his movies, no matter what, there's always so so much character and social commentary in it. I mean, we can talk like like dawn, night, day. Mm-hmm. But in Martin, it's that feeling of isolation and the loneliness and all that stuff. He portrays it so well. I mean, he just shoots. He has an eye for character. He really does. And his films, especially the ones kind of set around and in Pittsburgh, they mm-hmm. always have such a realness to them. Yeah. That it almost feel, has like a faux documentary feel to a lot of his films. Uh, credit just to what he did with those. And again, when I really think when he goes outside of the wheelhouse of what he's known for in Zombies, mm-hmm. his stuff gets really weird. But it's also really interesting because you can see him going and saying, no, I can do more than Zombies. And, and pushing himself. And yeah. making some really interesting films. And that's definitely mm-hmm. what we wanted to talk about is to look at the stuff that goes outside of that. So uh, for more, you know, we, we, we've praised Martin. So please right. go and check it out. Yes. Um, and I, that's the other interesting thing as well is even within the last, I'd say within three months, I've seen more pieces based on Martin. Mm-hmm. Because I think because it is 40 years young at this point, right. people are exploring it a little bit more. So I, hopefully he got, to, he got to appreciate and hear and see some of the love that Martin was getting. Right. Because, you know, he goes, oh. Oh, you're the you're the zombies. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right. But yeah, I think one like I don't know if Martin would be a passion project, but I definitely like you said, it's out of his norm, and he definitely you could tell he put a lot of thought into that movie. No, it's so. it's definitely a keeper. It's one that I really <coughs> truly appreciate. Uh, but there's kind of, like I said, there's those in betweeners. Uh, there's the crazies mm-hmm. that came out. Now, one of the things I think that's really interesting in regards to some of the connective tissue that you'll find in the Romero films are certain themes. And with a lot of those, and very much like Carpenter we've talked about, he has a very much a distrust of the government. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. anti-authority. Very much uh, his films are super dour, nihilistic. Mm -hmm. You don't really go away, walk away from a Romero film. (laughs) Feeling like, like you just had Mentos. You know, (laughs) the corpse maker. Yes. (laughs) 
do 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 do. They just paint humanity in the worst bleak, picture. Bleak. And then ultimately, what I love about his films, though, is what is you know supposed to be the monster of the film are the ones that are the periphery characters, and it's ultimately humanity is mm-hmm. the worst monster. And you see that throughout his films, and it works so well, even with the crazies and the idea of the government and what the government will do, and the and the fact that you don't know who's got Trixie or not, you mm-hmm. know, so like who's gonna switch. So it a little paranoia, and again with the isolation, like who do you trust? So yeah, I love how Romero has a lot to say. He really does. And so one of the films I was able to revisit here, and it's one I have not seen in ages, is a little film called Night Riders by Romero. And I'm glad I got to revisit it just as recently as I did because we uh, had a chance to watch Excalibur. Mm-hmm. You had never seen it, John mm-hmm. Berman's Excalibur. You had never seen that. It was great. It's a very earnest, serious film. No tongue in cheek at all. I mean, it is just it's straight up. This is my passion project. Right. So with Romero in this film, it had been a long time since I had seen it, um, and it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the most ridiculous premise. It's basically a retell. It's not even a retelling of the the Knights of uh, or King Arthur or anything like that. But it's built around. A, a Renaissance Fair motorcycle club, and they're 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 knights on motorcycles, and they travel from town to town, and that's the that's the thing of it. But yeah. he Romero plays it so straight. Oh my god, yeah. so earnest. These painters the are the people, and you can tell just in terms of it's really interesting because um, Ed Harris is in this film. I think the first interaction they had right before Creep Show and breaking out the moves, breaking yeah. out the moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he plays the main character and he's the leader. He's the king of this troupe. And not only are they performing, but they live that lifestyle as well. So they are literally going town to town like a vagabond group performing and doing their thing. But he is a steadfast. He has a code that he lives by. And you've got Savini in this film. And Savini is so good in this movie. Like, it's surprisingly good. He's very charismatic. Yeah. He brings a lot of energy. It's um, the stash, man. It is the stash. And again, it, it, it draws his power. It's, yeah. yeah, if you don't have the stash, check out Martin, because, oh, it's very <laughs> it's creepy. It's with it without it. <laughs> but he ultimately, he kind of plays the antagonist, but not really. Uh, he's the one that actually kind of get lure, gets lured into a Hollywood-esque system, because word gets out about this traveling troupe, and they're like, oh, we can get you... Uh, you know, gigs in Vegas and make the real money. And Ant Harris says, no, there's a man needs to live by a code, right? Yeah. And so you're looking at this, and ultimately, it's not necessarily about the um, the, the, the knights and the, the police or the knights in Hollywood. It's very much, I think, Romero's take on indie filmmaking versus, versus Hollywood. Hollywood. You got to stick to your code. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. No matter how much they promise you, you know, you, if you don't stick to the code, stick with the people that brought you there. Yep. Ultimately, you're, and it's, it's very, it's very meditative. Um, it's not what you would expect from Romero. And I think that's why a lot of people have either dismissed it yeah. or haven't given it a chance. Yeah. Because it's not what you, because there's really no bloodshed in it. There's some fantastic stunt work. There is a motorcycle stunt in there that is on some, I would say, like Brian Trenchard Smith level craziness. <laughs> like, I honestly thought someone was dead. Uh, and there's uh, one of the, uh, one of his knights is this buxom blonde. Uh, her name's Ricky. Her name is Cynthia Adler, and when she spoke, I thought it sounded really familiar. And so, of course, go to the IMDb. Uh huh. So, if you grew up in the '80s and '90s and had HBO <laughs> on Friday and Saturday night, occasionally there is a certain show called Real Sex. She was on Real Sex. She was involved with every single one because she was the narrator and did all the voiceover work. On oh, it. she had that deep, sultry voice. And here we are at this nudist colony. 
where everybody is over 60 years old and you really don't want to see him naked. But you know what? But you did it anyway. <laughs> you strayed true. You know, you know, I stayed up you really stayed late. The code. You stayed to the code. There we go. Like, God damn it, I'm going to watch real sex. I'm going to do what I got to do. <laughs> You'd ultimately get the pony play one. It's just like, oh, such a boner killer. But... If you if you're gonna be one of the knights of the round, I guess as as it as it is. Uh, but there's a there's a great Stephen King cameo that shows up early in it where where he's playing uh, again. It, okay, let me just say I know it's been a while since you've seen it, but as a Stephen King cameo, can you tell me if he's playing someone that is of a high intellect or someone that's a little bit more? He's playing a dullard. He's playing a dullard. He's playing a buffoon. Dude, and he, it's glorious because again, this is eighty-one uh, for Night Riders. Shit. And this is right, right when he was kind of exploding onto the scene. But ultimately, he did a lot of collaborating with Stephen oh, King. Oh yeah, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people forget. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but no, the only thing that I can say ultimately that I think sets Knight Riders back is it is a two and a half hour long. Two film. and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it doesn't need to be two and a half hours. Um, the, again, the stunt work is a lot of fun, but they could edit that down to an easy hour and forty five. Well, because like the first forty minutes is just a day in the life. It is. Well, it almost kind of plays like a Godfather film and that, that first scene in terms of the wedding scene just because it is it just here's I what could, happens i could just hear like on the loot and ed harris very much plays a godfather s king just in terms of <laughs> lording over everyone but no it's definitely one i think really deserves to be checked out again um mm-hmm. especially in lieu of his passing and again going outside of your comfort zone with romero and seeing this stuff because it really feels like a personal film yeah and i would love to see this get like a blu-ray treatment again with this many special you know because i'd love to see what people that were associated with him because yeah. unfortunately beyond what we have archived we don't really get insight to that so mm-hmm. you know maybe there's a dvd out there that has a commentary i'll need to check that out because <laughs> again as goofy as the film plays man this is i think an earnest film from romero and beyond as silly as it looks, check it out. Would you think it's one of his more personal ones? Oh, this is a truly personal you think, film. Like, this drawing, yeah. This is this is his basically his thesis on Hollywood and filmmaking in general, I believe. And the ending is actually it's sad. You know, it's, it's a Romero film. You're not mm-hmm. going to walk away jumping. Feeling down. Well, and honestly, what's really funny is a day in the life of the Renaissance Fair folk. If I recall right, didn't you party with a few of those folks? I worked at the Renaissance Festival uh, for ten years. Because Almost ten years. There is yeah. a scene of such decadence in this film that it, there, it's basically their their uh, friar, the uh-huh. um, the friar, the monk, uh, friar, friar, mm-hmm. friar tuck, friar tuck. Thank you. He he gets caught with a reporter, and it's basically I'm not gonna. It's wine, pizza, and and basically it totally made me think of friar genius like i just so saw you in that because it was just so <laughs> decadent. I laughed. I laughed. And on my notes, Bring I was like, "Bring me more wine." <laughs> My notes, I was like, Friar Genius, it's so good. I'm telling you, if if I was a, a, a old-timey god, I'd be Dionysus. You I would, got, I got truly. A t- I got a shrine. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, check out Knight Riders. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, but we also wanted to point out, in terms of the trilogy, we already talked about the zombie trilogy. Yeah, and then also there's Creep Show. Make sure you check out our... Uh, are one of our many. I was gonna uh, say there's, <laughs> but there's a what's the score and then where we talk about it. But yeah, definitely cre- check out Creep Show. But um, yeah, one of the ones, uh, zombie movies aside, of course, Night Dawn Day. But I think it needs to be a quadrilogy of unofficial. Uh, it's officially. time to expand it. It is. It is. Um, Land of the Dead is such an underrated, wonderful movie. Now, 
cons aside, I'll just go throw it out there. Some of the CGI does not still hold up, but goddamn, if the if the practical effects are not near perfect, the if the story, I think this is one of his funniest and goriest films that he's ever done. And he's done some gory stuff, and he's done some... Well, he's not known for comedy, but this movie has great comic timing. The this, levity works. Yes, it does, and it's not overly done. Um, and the fact that uh, it's still a very poignant story. I mean, if you threw an uh, orange wig on Dennis Hopper, just saying, I'm not... Just, you know, This movie uh, plays better now in 2017 yeah. than it did in 2005. It definitely is. I mean, once again, his, the zombies are never the main villains. Never. The zombies are always representative of something. And in this one, the message is like, it's the poor versus the rich. You know, it's it's the minorities versus it's the one the percenters. Mi- right. It, it's rising up and just claiming back. And he, there's so many messages in that movie. I was like really looking at anti-corporations in that. Um, uh, just a lot of fun. And the fact that like he goes, he even put in Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright as a little Nick cameo. Fraud, for yeah. yeah, just for like, yeah, come on. Yeah. Well, that's what I love. And the fact, mm-hmm. again, in terms of how much of an influence Romero has had on so many yeah. different people, I hope he understands and realized how influential he truly was. Mm-hmm. Again, even going beyond horror. But no, Land of the Dead works so much better now. Yeah. And now it's getting ready to get a special Blu-ray from uh, Scream Factory. Which is good. Yes. I think more people need to see this movie. They really do. And honestly, in terms of the character work, I remember hearing about this film back when it was still called Dead Reckoning. Like the title mm-hmm. of the film was Dead Reckoning. It was like, again, in the the, the grand ain't it cool days. Right. You know, seeking that out. And then I, this was one that I actually got to see in the theater, mm-hmm. which, was, which was lovely. Yeah. And I remember really enjoying it and I also remember thinking like this is a, this is a this is a really good film mm-hmm. it didn't I'm trying to remember actually in terms of when the success it had critically versus it, it, when it was a release yeah I don't think oh it, critics are never gonna like horror movies this is true well, mean, well this has given him giving a, a pretty good budget mm-hmm. and producing a really good yeah, looking film no but between him and Nicotero and there I think it was just like Universal wants to give me some money. And like, okay, let's have cool. Some fun. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. Let's rip off some belly buttons. Let's oh. uh Yeah, let's rip off some belly buttons. Let's pull out some spinal cords. Let's just go to town and like it all works. This movie is probably one of his most goriest. Because I'd, like I'd stick it up to next to Day of the Dead. Well, I would even go further than Day of the Dead. There's so much carnage and violence, just siege after did siege. You, now, did you after watch an unrated she- version of it? Or yeah, a maybe that's it. Okay, yeah, maybe that was. Maybe that's why I was like, "This is pretty fucking gory." Because <laughs> I, I think there are two cuts out there, and yeah, because <laughs> they always want to put on the one that's the excess, and they go, "Okay, we know we're just what we're going to cut, so right. we'll go ahead and cut that stuff." No, I agree. In fact, actually, the siege. Uh, now, is it Fiddler's Green? Fiddler's Green, which mm-hmm. is this representation where everyone is gathered again, the haves and the haves nots. Even um, Leguizamo, his care. I really thought he's good in this movie. Yeah, no, he gets a lot of shit from a lot of people, but I think he actually makes it work in this film. Yeah. So. Now, Le- Leguizamo does fantastic in this as, as Chulo. And then uh, Aja Argento in this film. And which she was, does great. She's, well, <laughs> again, just in terms of her pedigree, where she's right. coming from, Daddy Dearest there, just throwing her out there as, as so often, but becoming her own kind of figurehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, kind of adding to the kind of the cult status of the <coughs> film, just in terms of who is able to bring in. Yeah. Um, and also Dead Reckoning itself. It's a badass That's a vehicle, That's a badass right? vehicle, man. That's like if, if uh, Night of the Living Dead and uh, Aliens had a kid right and then of course eugene clark is big daddy yeah and he's like the nicest dude he was walking around uh crypticon in full makeup 
Hey, how's it going? Rawr! I was like, that's cool. You're a good dude. And he definitely, I think, cements himself as a and as an iconic zombie. Now mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were wanting that to be Bub. Which I understand. Yeah. Because we got the machete. But you know Tom what? Tom Savini zombie. Here's the thing. I here's what I think. In Romero's they withered away. Bub would have been that's twenty years. He would have been a, a corpse. <laughs> we couldn't decay. have got Bub. But it was great to see, and in my mind, when we see that big um that uh, Savini cameo where he's like stumbling mm-hmm. and he's wearing the same clothes he did in uh, Dawn of the Dead in Dawn. So I would like to think that it's the whole extended Romero verse. Like sometime, sometime like maybe 10 years ago, he got bit, you know, and then he, yeah. So I would totally say that. And it also stays in true in terms of featuring an African-American lead mm-hmm. in his films, which was one of the biggest things in terms of night of the living dead initially as well. And a lot of, um, and Latinos too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really good to see. It's a very diverse cast and a very good movie. It's really underrated, very poignant, very, uh, thought-provoking too. And I have a feeling now, given the passing of Romero and that coming out, it'll go over like gangbusters. And but it's again, fun. Yeah. It's probably the most levity-written one of his movies, because we were talking about how dour, and it is, but I think towards the end, he's like, oh, let's have some fun. Actually, you know? yeah, technically, just in terms of that's probably the happiest yeah. of the ones, really, it's if you kind think of about a, it. It's kind of a, it's a win-win ending. You know, no spoilers. And with with many of the, with almost all of his films, they ultimately end with the few survivors getting away from the siege uh-huh. and again leaving them in limbo. And so many of them, it's just so, so detrimental. You're just like, God, that's so sad. But in this one, it is. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's head north, man. Yeah, let's Canada go. has the, they have the answers. And, and then even the zombies are like, eh, yeah, we're good too. They're pretty. Yeah. Well, yeah. again, you can coexist, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the new majority? Just right. Go exactly. ahead and just leave. Well, that's what I loved about a uh, girl with the uh, girl with, girl the, with gifts. the gifts. Yeah. And that ending there just works so well. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, but I definitely think it does because again, everyone talks the trilogy. Right. Let's expand Let's it. Make it a quadrilogy. Because unfortunately, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> why the, can't we add it to a septology there, genius? If you want to, that's fine. But I, I think like it's just kind of the survival and island. We're not. Um, I thought it was a cool concept. Survivor, yeah. survivor, survival of the dead, and an island of the dead. Uh, or Diary of the dead. Diary of the dead. That's right. Yeah, because it took. But um, they're not the best representation it felt of his work. Forced, yeah, it did. I think with Diary, just in terms of the whole, especially even the message right. that he was hinting on, and and he tried something new with the whole found footage. So kudos for him for wanting to expand. I just think you know sometimes well, it almost felt like it was this isn't your grandfather's Romero kids, right? Like look what I can do. Cha cha cha. They poochied up uh, Romero. <laughs> yeah, but, but then I think with the survival of the dead, in terms of kind of a western tailing, but then mm-hmm. they had to include. But unfortunately, the only films he could get made at this point were zombie ones because that's all anybody wanted to see from him. They and don't. Un- they forget Monkey Shines. They forget Creep Show. They forget get all those but it's ones. unreal the fact that you've got the walking dead doing so well right uh world war z all of these zombie films why hasn't romero helmed any of those why haven't a big hollywood given him some money yeah it, it, it's, I, it's I frustrating yeah i would love to see romero directed a couple of episodes of walking i dead. think they offered him he would probably been i don't I think, want it yeah. yeah he's probably he was probably done with zombies at that point I, exactly yeah but at the same time it, it would have been nice the offer yeah it would have been nice because in terms of what he could do and again going outside of that and as we said there's so many things outside of that monkey shines mm-hmm. 1988 I, okay i saw that in the theater yeah me too now what's funny the reason i saw that in the theater <laughs> and i need to pull up his name here because the reason i saw that it wasn't necessarily because it was a romantic 
Romero film. Number one, it had a monkey in it. You know. Yeah, I loved monkeys. Loved I monkeys. Wanted, uh, Dunstan checks in. Fucking uh, Link. Jason Beggy is his name. Was the lead in that. He's the paralyzed guy. He was in a uh, HBO uh, TV show called First and Ten. He played this quarterback named uh, Yanessa. And I liked him as that character. So that's the reason I actually went to the film. Really? And it's a it's a it's an underrated flick because again it go, it's more of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that you have a menacing monkey. Yeah, I I saw this and not because of any person, but because of as a monkey. I love monkey movies, and I will see a monkey movie. They're fun. And they're like, they're full, a barrel full of monkeys. But uh, and it was weird because we were talking off mic how like just earlier in that time the movie Link about mm-hmm. the arsonist monkey, <laughs> right? Yeah, came out, and this one's about like a heartbroken monkey. It's well, of an, course, an obsessive it, monkey. It goes into the competing Hollywood systems at the time, but the fact that you could still get then two competing murderous monkey, monkey, monkey movies, movies, right? right. Like, That's bananas. <laughs> you couldn't. It doesn't happen nowadays, right? You know, it's either a twenty thousand dollar horror film or a twenty million based on like mm-hmm. these pre-existing again, um, the Annabelles and uh-huh. so forth. Again, not putting that down. If that's your bag, that's your bag. Yeah. But, again, yeah. that's just not, not necessarily something that is speaking to me on right. these terms. And again, right. going back to uh, the Romero indie days, he had a chance to film and do some major Hollywood releases. Creep Show being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, one of the ones that I don't think gets a lot of love is uh, the Dark Half. Yeah, that came out in '93, um, and this is one I have not seen since probably 1993. <laughs> but going through and kind of revisiting some of this, it's got a great cast. Amy Madigan, Madigan uh-huh. is in it, who we Tim. just saw from Streets of Fire. No, okay, I get. Yeah, I know. We won't get into that no. one there. Rooker's in it. Michael Rooker playing mm-hmm. a cop, and it's a very interesting premise in terms of a horror writer. Yeah, and so again, just in terms of all the collaborations With he's Stephen done. Stephen King, once again, it's just weird that to think that your alter ego. <gasps> Ooh. Might be doing yeah. some murderous mischief, mm. right? Good thing I am my alter ego. Well, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you live the gimmick, man. There's right. no, well, what was the uh, the Stephen King short story with Johnny Depp and uh, Secret Window? Yeah, there we go. Which mm-hmm. kind of a little Which bit, is, yeah. In, in terms of the writing and so forth, no, mm-hmm. but it's definitely one I think is again just in terms of the the films that he goes outside of his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one from 2000 called Bruiser. Uh, which I saw on DVD. I think that was one of my first DVD rentals back in the day. No, I have not seen that. Okay, one. it's kind. Of, it's it's on a kind of a play on the slasher trope, but also uh-huh. in terms of uh, mistaken uh, <coughs> I- identity and so forth. Mm-hmm. Plays a little like American Psycho. Uh, Peter Stormare is in it, so that I like Peter. Exactly, Stormare. exactly. It's a French film as well. Angelos en bon. Set you up, you knock it down. Um, yeah, but beyond that, then you were mentioning just in terms of the stuff that um, he was given credit for in terms of screenplays, because uh-huh. he was a prolific writer director. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we've talked about was where he wrote and directed his same stuff. But he also was credited for as a writer, um, obviously with Dawn of the Dead and the remake, the Crazies remake, mm-hmm. uh, his contribution to Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. Anything produced by the Laurel Company was him so that's tales from the dark side that's monsters that one show that's um any of those like because i would anytime laurel or a rubenstein production because yep. them and those two were tight i knew i was in for something good terrifying television mm-hmm. and, uh, anytime and then tales from the dark side it was the cat 
<laughs> and that's the one he did. And that's yep. the one that has still has that more of the EC. We've talked about it when we mm-hmm. did our tales. That has the EC comic feel to it. Yeah. It is unofficially the Creep Show three, as it were. Now it's it's unreal just in terms of not only again in terms of his influence, but all the other stuff that he did on mm-hmm. his own that you aren't aware of. And that's what we really wanted to make sure. And you know what we're he, throwing out there. He still he was still doing stuff. He had comics that he wrote. Um, he had mm-hmm. other screenplays that he wrote. In fact, he had a few others that were already pretty much... There was a video game that he helped write. It was uh, The Road to Fiddler's Green. It was That's a Land so of the Dead it. video game, and it was So were they doing the tie-ins? At the same, now, was it yeah. around when it was released, oh, the, yeah. the movie? Okay. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I was all about it. Benefits of a Hollywood mm-hmm. film there, apparently, that yeah. you can actually do that kind of a tie-in. Can you imagine a Romero video game? Yeah. You know, that's pretty That's pretty great. Well, I know he originally had a crack at the Resident Evil screenplay, and mm-hmm. he, I think it played apparently truer to the original game. Right. Uh, but, it, which is, again, so much owes from him. Now, obviously... Uh, he's not the brain zombie. He is a, just a flesh zombie because, you know, obviously we got that from Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. But when you think zombies, you think Romero. Think Romero. But we want to make sure that when you think Romero, you think of other stuff, too. I there's mean, just so much to explore. Yeah. And again, just in terms of we have so many more means of getting it. There's a lot of the stuff that's only available probably on VHS. Right. But you know what? Seek it out. Check it out. Yeah. Again, whatever we, we want to promote the physical media when mm-hmm. we can. Most definitely. And all, now, that being said, if you were on a deserted island and you could have only three Romero films, okay, what would they be? Well, definitely Creep Show. Okay, okay, uh, that's on my list as well. <laughs> definitely Creep Show. Um, because I think the challenge of this is which one? Which of the dead films do you put in? Do yeah, you put in two two of them. Do you throw in just one? Do you in, do you just exclude any of them? No, I definitely got to include one, and I think the one I'm going to include is Dawn. You're going to go Dawn. I'm going to go Dawn and to include. See, it. I would actually go with Day. Really? On mine, yeah. And then, what would your third one be? My third one. This is where. Just in terms of, I w- honestly, I think I'd go between Knight Riders and probably the Dark Half. But considering I just saw Knight Riders and I just, again, the stunt work itself could be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, just all the DV. I'd maybe go with Knight Riders. I might go with Land. Land of the just Dead? Just go ahead just and throw that fun, one in. It's just a fun, it's a fun zombie one. I mean, it's a fun, I love zombies. I, people are like, oh, they're oversaturated. I still dig them. Yeah. When they're done white, when they're done well, when they're done right, they're fantastic. I mean... Like any of these, like we said before, any of these zombie movies that come out today owe a lot to this guy. Uh, Train of Busan, uh, Girl with All the Gifts, uh, Shaun of the Dead. The list goes on and on and on. Without him, there wouldn't be anything else. No, and I had the. I had a chance to meet him. Uh, it wasn't really necessarily a meet and greet, but I had a chance to see a creep show. And uh, it was him and Savini. They did a Q&A. And so it was really interesting, though, was I ran into Zach and Erica from Atomic Cotton. This is back in probably 2000, about 2005, actually. So maybe they were promoting Land of the Dead. But I ran into uh, Erica. I was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in ages. Got a chance to see it. Loved it. Played like gangbusters. Got to ask about the Ed Harris dancing afterwards. <laughs> you know, the man just because, again, that one has so much pathos. But yeah. He was just as you expected him. The vest, the glasses, just Romero, and he was just a joy in there. And he was just having a blast. Like, yeah. let's go, yeah, let's watch Creep Show. Let's have. Some. I know Savini was there, so it just again the legacy. Do we we almost have him to thank for Savini? Yeah, all oh, the most work definitely. he's done. Oh, you most know? definitely. It's uh, just in terms of the, the 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 people that have always worked with Romero, the Ken Forey's, mm-hmm. um, all yeah. of those people. Just what he's given us in film, so much. It's mm-hmm. just, and again, it's sad that we. Have to come together and honor him this way. If I could say one last thing about him, 
if somehow his passing creates the zombie apocalypse, I would be okay with that. He's actually patient zero. I would be fine with that. I think it would be very fitting mm-hmm. and let him just rule the zombie uprising. Yep. Maybe this is what happens. This maybe. is how it starts. So maybe <laughs> this might be the last podcast we do, <laughs> right? in which case all hell, uh, President Zombie Romero. Oh, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. <laughs> well, until then, uh, next week, gang, uh, this is Greg D. <laughs> and we will see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>